0: Puro air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. puroair.com Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HIPAA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello everyone, I hope you're getting out and enjoying the fall weather if you're here in the north and enjoying your spring if you're in the south. So of course it's still been in the 90s here, most days, 90s Fahrenheit of course, but cool mornings have been nice. So we had an amazing trip to San Diego and I realized that I would like to finish raising our kids there and make that and there our home. There's so many incredible things to see and do outside. So we are taking our steps forward one step at a time. Hopefully the timing will all work out with selling and buying and finding the right house before we have to vacate this one, but we're up for the adventure and the challenge. Because of this big change, I did record a video about helping kids through change, both big changes and small changes for younger kids all the way through older kids. I did that while we were there along with two other videos for tips for parents of toddlers in particular. And I posted one of the parenting tips for toddlers to the YouTube channel this morning, so if you wanna see those, you can find those on the channel by searching for Your Village on YouTube and then subscribing. And we're getting really close to 200 subscribers and once I hit that 500, I will post another free class to the channel. So I'd love it if you would help me grow that channel. But let's get right to the questions. I have three today. They're shorter and quicker answers, so I wanted to catch up a little bit and just get right through these questions. So the first question is from Sarah about dealing with a needy toddler during the day. And she wrote, hello, I just started listening to your podcast and I'm very behind, but I'm currently listening and would like to know if you can answer some questions. I'm currently at home with my child all day. I'm having trouble working because I'm a single parent and no one wants to watch my daughter. One of my biggest issues I have had with her is the lack of independence for both of us. I will leave her to go to the bathroom or in the kitchen or just somewhere in general and she will start crying and follow me or get upset if I'm in a room that's closed. How do I approach it? How do I handle the situation so it can be resolved with less frustration and more time to myself in the bathroom? This is an all-day occurrence. I could really use some help. So, Sarah, I really wish I had a magic answer for you, but unfortunately, at two, toddlers do need a lot of interaction, and they're just not very good at staying focused on a task for any period of time. They're also notorious for following us into the restrooms. So, I know that Lots of parenting memes. Lots of parents have had this where they just go into the bathroom and if they close the door, their little hands will come to the door. They can see little fingers in from under the door. Honestly, the only thing to do is, and actually a good thing about this is to just leave the door open and let them come in. One of the good things about this is that it actually gets them interested in the potty, tra- not potty training process, that too, but in the potty process, what is that? So it's actually a really great opportunity to talk about your potty process, what you're doing each step of the way, if, what, if you're going number one or number two, um, what it feels like when you have to go, and you actually can start introducing her to that. You could even get her her own little potty. Maybe she'll just come in and start sitting down on it while you're in there. I know that you really wanted some independence and some quiet time in the bathroom. Unfortunately, you're going to have to wait a little bit longer for that. Pretty soon, she's not going to want to come in the bathroom with you. So right now, it's actually a great opportunity to just start doing some of that pre-readiness, pre Potty training talk. So that may be actually a really great opportunity. So they're also in the stage of developing independence, but with that independence, they need security. So, in order for independence to grow, they need to feel secure. So They often want to test it, test the security. They will go back and forth. They will come to us, check in with us, make sure we're still there, make sure that we're still excited to see them, that we're interested in them, and then they will feel safe to go and explore on their own a bit. So they do a lot of this bouncing back and forth. So like everything, the needs are going to vary by individual. Some kids are naturally more independent and some are naturally more clingy. But with the support that they get from us, they do grow to be just as self-reliant as their less clingy peers were in toddlerhood. The more security we can offer them, the more secure they feel, the more healthy of a sense of independence they will then be able to develop, and the quicker that they will develop it. So this is where we have to get a bit creative. So I think the place to start is to set up a daily routine that so she has a foundation for that sense of security. Routine for sure gives that. It gives kids a sense of security. They like to know what's coming next. So as she gets used to the routine, she may take on more responsibility for that herself, such as trying to dress herself in the mornings. Now an episode I did just a couple weeks ago talked about setting up daily routines. So you may wanna go back and listen. One of the things I talked about was setting up time for certain things in the schedule daily. So whether it's a morning walk or time for physical play, cognitive play, that kind of thing, you figure out how you can fit it into the schedule. Then see what you might be able to do work-wise during those times. I don't know if parks are open where you are, but if they are, can you do 30 to 40 minutes in the park? Take some sand toys or what, whatever you have so she can play. Or maybe just climb around. She may just go and climb around and see if you can get a little time to work on a laptop or a tablet. Now, I actually used to take my laptop to the park, and I'd write my classes or edit my classes while my kids were playing at the park. If you have one or two other children that you know well and you feel safe to be around if you know they've been home safe, you can have them meet you there at the park, and this will give her someone else to play with, to bounce off of, to interact with, so that she'll have less focus on you, may give you a little bit more... Focus for your work. So that can also help. Now, while you're on a walk, Can you return phone calls? You know, work times are going to be most productive during her nap times, evenings, when she goes to bed. Then you can save chores like dishes, laundry for when she's awake, when she's around. You could even solicit her help. Now, even if it's a pretend way that she's quote unquote helping, but she feels like she's helping, she feels great about that. She feels like she's growing up and that will actually also help her independence. So I would start by sitting down, creating your daily schedule with wake-up times, naps, bedtimes, add-in meal times, including snacks, figure out how much or what work tasks you need, more focus and quiet time, and schedule those for naps and evenings or even early mornings, and then other tasks you can do that require shorter spurts or less focus, and schedule those in when she's having a snack or you're out on a walk or at the park. Now, I'm not sure where you live, But even here in California, where we're relatively more strictly shut down than other areas, there is some daycare options available for essential workers, but that also includes for single parents. So maybe, you know, if you could do two mornings a week of some sort of daycare, if you know they're being super careful, I know here they're doing a lot to keep the kids um, really safe. That may help you to get a few extra hours and help her get some way and a place to engage in some play with her peers and also help her build some independence. But, you know, getting really creative and efficient with how you manage your workday in and around the daily schedule is going to be the best way to make this work as smoothly as possible. Now, at two, they also can start to learn something from some media time. So if there's just a 20 minute, 30 minute show that she really likes that's educational, like Blues Clues or Sesame Street one of those Fedora the Explorer, those are all great shows with very slow cuts. They can actually learn from those. And that could give you a little bit of time to, be, um, to get something done for work or if you need to just get a task done around the house without her getting under your feet, that's something else you might wanna consider. So I also covered building independence and toddlers in a previous episode, it wasn't too long ago. It does take a little bit of planning and some working with them, and if you're lucky, you might be able to get her up to 20 minutes of her playing on her own, but that's not common at two. But you never know what you can work up to with the right toys that capture her imagination as well as some practice. So maybe she'll start with five minutes and work her way up. There may be some toy or some activity that she just really takes to and and she really focuses on. So you just don't know until you try. So go back and look at the titles of the episode. See if you can find that episode also. And I want to say it's been in the last five to six episodes as well. The next question is a potty training relapse question from Kaylin, and she wrote, hey there, I have a four-year-old daughter who has lived with her grandma until the epidemic started, and now she lives with me. I suffer with some drug addiction, but have been clean for three years. Our problem is she won't go potty in the toilet anymore. If I put her in underwear, she goes potty in her underwear, so I have just resorted to using pull-ups full-time as a diaper, pretty much. At first, it was very frustrating, but I have used your advice, and do not get mad at her for it. I've tried bribing her with everything from toys, treats, prizes, potty watch, but nothing will excite her enough to use the toilet instead of sitting in her wet pull-up, which she doesn't seem to mind. I need to mention that I have a one year old who I think she is trying to get the same kind of attention as her baby sister. I'm convinced the move has probably been stressful on her and she's subconsciously going in her underwear because that's what she has control over. She is in therapy but everything her therapist has suggested hasn't worked. I need help because she's supposed to be starting kindergarten soon and I don't know how I'm going to help her go potty on the big girl toilet. I know this is a touchy subject because it could be a psychological topic, but any advice would be appreciated. Thank you for your podcasts; I listen to them regularly. Okay, so this is a great question. When we get back afterward from our sponsor, I will answer Kaylyn's question about the relapse in potty training, and then in addition, our next question. Armwar makes getting dressed easy. a-r-m-o-i-r-e dot style slash parenting to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners, ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. Visit homethreads.com slash parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com slash parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home Threads, love where you live. Now that we're back after the break, I'm going to answer Kaylin's question about regression in potty training. So First, Kaylin, I want to give you a big congratulations on staying sober for three years. That is a huge accomplishment. So you are spot on. This is likely due to all the changes in her living, both now living full time with you and the move and the younger sister and everything else. But I'm guessing she isn't seeing grandma very much right now. I'm not sure. Um, Other than maybe video chat. I'm not sure if you've gotten back to being able to do visits like that. And being limited in daily life as far as not going out much and all of that right now, it's a lot of changes in a short time. So this is likely due to some feelings of lack of control, just like you said, spot on. As she settles into living with you and life starts to get back to quote unquote normal and it becomes her new normal, she will very likely get better with the potty. So first, I want to recommend backing way off with the potty push right now. The bribes will just backfire and it tells her that this is what you want. So her need, desire to take control of something and the potty where she knows she can easily get that control, the I don't have to, is going to set in deeper. So she's just digging in. So yes, there are some psychological aspects at play here with this control issue, with some of the things that she's been to, but with the right approach, you will be able to help her feel comfortable and in control and help her to get to a place to be ready. So I would start some steps for pre-readiness in potty training. A few of these are number one is very gentle conversations about the potty, about that we use the potty as we grow up. This is where we go to the bathroom and just talking about that potty process of using the bathroom. Number two, reading some books about potty. Now, there are books from almost every character, every TV show alive out there, so if she has some, a favorite show or a favorite character, you could very likely find a potty book from with featuring that character or show. Number three, talk about your own potty process. That means, oh, I have to pee. I can tell because I can feel it pushing right below my tummy right here. I'm going to go into the bathroom and I'm going to lift up the toilet seat. I'm going to take down my pants. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to go pee on the potty. I'm going to wipe. Talk her through the process, especially if she comes in with you. You can really talk her through the full thing and how the whole potty process works. And I know she's used it before, but it's just a way of gently reminding her about how we use the potty. what that whole process is to get her more interested in it. Now, she may not have much interest right now, and that's okay. And you'll kind of gauge that. And if she just glosses over, then you want to back off on that a little bit. But you're going to slowly go with her lead on it. So for all the pre-readiness and the readiness signs and handouts for shopping lists of what you wanna have together for pre-readiness and things you can do with that, steps for implementing each of the steps, along with the not ready signs, which is exactly what she's exhibiting right now, by the way, is the not ready signs. Uh, And this is more of an emotional readiness on her part, I do believe. Obviously, um, she's old enough, she's four, she sounds like she was successfully going on the potty before, so this is really just an emotional thing where she is trying to take control. So, but she's just a mentally, emotionally just not ready like or not ready again or not ready at this point. So you'll just want to work with her and allow her to be more comfortable to feel in control of her process and then she will get back to it. But the class on potty training goes into more detail on all of these. So for Kaylin or any other parent out there who wants to know more about potty training and then all of the issues that can come along with um relapses with uh training for overnight or for naps for peeing on the potty but not pooping on the potty all of those things that those are all covered in that class as well the other thing is the cleanup so You wanna have her stop what she's doing and go into the bathroom to get cleaned up. Even if she's comfortable sitting in it, you wanna get her into a better process with that. When we go to the bathroom, we get cleaned up. So you wanna have her work at least towards that. You want to have the pull-ups in the bathroom So you wanna take her into the bathroom and say, we're just gonna change you out of your pull-up, we're gonna get you wiped up and get you into a clean one. So at least you're getting her into the bathroom, you're getting her to change out of the pull-up. So you wanna just set that as a boundary around getting cleaned up right after potty. So I'm also glad she's in therapy and letting the therapist work with her on her feelings, anything else going on will also help. But she will need to reach a certain level of emotional maturity like I just said and she will likely just need some time to develop that so just being patient with that will really help but um, you know offering toys or bribes or any of that is just going to push it's going to be backwards and um, I'm sure her therapist is amazing with working with her through her emotions and working on whatever struggles that she's going through but a lot of a, a lot of pediatricians and a lot of therapists just don't Always, quite have the training or have the understanding about that power play, that power process, and the rewards and the rewards process that it really works against the internal motivation. And for potty training, you have to have that internal motivation. They're just not going to do it with external motivators. And if they do, they'll do it once or twice, maybe they'll do it for a week, but then they're going to be done. And then you're going to have to pull out bigger and bigger rewards just to get them to go to the bathroom and. The last thing you need to be doing is buying your kid a pony so that they'll use the potty. So you want to just stay away from all those from the beginning. When she decides she's ready, she'll likely just do it and never have another accident again. But you'll really need to follow her lead. Use very gentle language. I know when you're ready, you will let me know and we will use the potty. Until then, we need to go to the bathroom to get cleaned up because that's where we clean up after we go potty. You'll keep the stack of pull-ups and some wipes in the bathroom so you're ready to change her right there, have her wash her hands, and then she goes back to play. So the release of pressure around using the potty will really help her to get more comfortable with the idea and letting you know when she is ready to try, but also that she has to stop what she's doing, that inconvenience of stopping what you have to do anyway after you go to the bathroom also sometimes will help kids because sometimes they're doing it because they don't want to stop what they're doing. They're just into their play. They're having a good time. They don't want to stop and go use the bathroom. Well, if she has to stop and do it anyway, that also is another, it's an incentive that's taken away. That incentive of just being able to keep playing goes away. Okay, the last question for today is from Sammy about a toddler who is pulling out her hair in the middle of the night. And she wrote, Erin, thank you for all you do. I love listening to your podcast over the last year. It has helped me navigate some parenting struggles. In the last three months or so, we have noticed our youngest daughter has started pulling her hair out in the middle of the night. She's 22 months old. At the time she was still waking to nurse once around two or three in the morning. We ended up sewing some mittens into her pajamas which seemed to do the trick temporarily. Now she started waking at 11, 1, 3, and 4. She stands and screams so much that her voice is almost hoarse. I usually end up caving and going in to nurse her for fear that she's going to pull out more hair. I stress about it often I'm exhausted with the major sleep regression that is happening. She's a happy girl but is definitely going through a very clingy stage where I'm the only person she wants. I need some guidance on how to help her. Thank you so much. So this is a tricky question, so there's two pieces to this. There's the hair pulling and then there's the nighttime wake-ups and issues. Now you can start to deal with the nighttime wake-ups and I would stop with at least with the nursing in the middle of the night because she can certainly get through the night without that and I'm not sure what's happening at her bedtime, if she's going to sleep on her own at bedtime. So there's a whole um, issue wrapped up into this. So when you do sleep training, you wanna make sure that bedtime, that she's putting herself to sleep on her own, in her room, in her bed, in her space. So that's the first step. So I'm not sure if that's happening or not. If it is, great. Then you can work on the middle of the night. If she's falling asleep well at bedtime, she can put herself back to sleep in the middle of the night. You can still go in and check on her. You can still go in and put your hand on her, lay her down, calm her down, and have her go back to sleep without the nursing because otherwise she's going to need that nursing to fall asleep every single time. So then I wanna talk about the hair pulling. So I don't wanna recommend just completely ignoring the situation since I'm not there to see or hear more about it. So just for peace of mind, I would seek some advice from a professional. Now my guess is she will grow out of it because it's not common that it starts in toddlerhood, but it can. And when it does, most kids will just grow out of it. But because the habit has gotten attention, um, it's actually probably kicked it up. And usually when we try to control a compulsive behavior like head banging, nail biting, hair pulling, um, thumb sucking, those kinds of things, kids will try and usually succeed in finding a way around it. It makes them more determined. It's also gotten her now to the point of the attention in the middle of the night, nursing at the wake-up, so she's been able to create a lot of control with this. But again, without being there, seeing the extent, how much hair she's pulling out, I'd prefer you see a specialist, get some advice on how to help her learn to self-soothe in new ways, to see what treatments they may have for a toddler, or they may tell you just to ignore it and not to worry about it, that she will likely grow out of it, and then they may give you some things that you wanna look for if it's getting worse and then to come back, but that's really up to um, a psychiatrist or psychologist who specializes in um, these anxiety disorders or disorders for children to help you through that. So this way you can get back to your better sleep pattern. So I also wanna recommend working during the day for the attention she's seeking. So making sure she's getting some one-on-one time with some play and interaction, some reading, maybe being the helper for you Because kids love to be the helper. They love to be their parent's helper. And also maybe a special outing with one parent once a week may help alleviate the need for attention in the middle of the night. If we can really build it up and stack it up in the middle of the day, it can alleviate it for the night time. But I also want to talk a little bit about the hair pulling. So as someone with a clinical background, she may, and I say may because We never diagnose anyone with anything without seeing them, interviewing the child and the parents, seeing the extent of the effect of a behavior before reaching a diagnosis. So I recommend discussing this with your pediatrician, getting into a specialist for a potential diagnosis. I say potential because, again, a lot of times they don't like to diagnose toddlers with this because they often grow out of it. It's just like ADD. Very few people will and should be diagnosing a child under the age of five with ADD or ADHD, because sometimes it's just, toddlers are generally just that way. And until they really get into a school setting, and they see how they interact and react to the home situation and a formal education, um, academic situation, they really shouldn't be diagnosed with ADD or ADHD. So it's the same thing with this, and it's, um, it's a disorder called trichotillomania. So it's a disorder where the person feels the urge to pull out their hair from the scalp or other parts of the body. It's in the family of anxiety disorders. But before you get too concerned, again, toddlers often grow out of it. So, again, they probably won't diagnose a toddler, and if that's the case, it's a good thing. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into a little bit more detail about this disorder. Um, it is characterized by the urge to pull out hair from the scalp or other parts of the body, including eyelashes, eyebrows, arms, legs. Now, children are more likely to pull their hair out from the scalp, and some children will say that pulling the hair out makes them feel good, but not everyone with this disorder pulls their hair out intentionally. Kids especially will often pull it out unconsciously and may not even remember doing it. So when asked, many children will deny pulling out their hair, and because they don't remember doing it, they're going to deny it. Now, the onset is much more common around 12 around the age of 12, but it but it can appear in much younger children. So I would get in and just talk to your pediatrician about it and see what he or she recommends, see if they feel like you should get in to see a specialist to get some guidance and some treatment for it, or if it's something that he or she feels like you should just really work to ignore it and give more attention during the day to working on the bedtime and the nighttime sleeping issues and possibly getting that to... And with making those changes, it may start to dissipate and then disappear. If you're interested in any of the 58 parenting classes I have available online, including potty training, your developing preschooler, toddler discipline tools, you can go to yourvillageonline.com. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week.